I contacted the owner and I said, what kind of coffee was that and where can I get it? They serve and sell it there at the coffee bar. And so I will be purchasing some of that immediately. From Tri-State Bible College and the Appalachian Ministry Institute, this is the Level Paths Podcast. My name is Chris Weigel, and we're glad you've taken some time to join us. You might be asking yourself why Dr. Matt Shamlin was talking about this spectacular coffee he recently discovered. Well, he found the coffee this past March at the Appalachian Ministry Conference at Tri-State Bible College in South Point, Ohio. It was a day filled with excellent speakers, breakout sessions, and there was plenty of local food and, of course, coffee. Dr. Matt and Rex will recap the Appalachian Ministry Conference later in the podcast. One of the benefits that is gleaned from a conference like the Appalachian Ministry Conference is the reminder that we're not alone. There are others all around us who are fervently serving in their churches, and as it turns out, they all struggle with the same things. Now more than ever, it is vital that we find other brothers and sisters and help each other when times are tough. Here's Rex Howe. It's good to be back on Level Paths talking about ministry in Appalachia, fulfilling our ministries in Appalachia. And brother, I have some things I just have to share with you today. I know that we typically don't do this, but I asked my mom and my stepdad for a list of Appalachian vocabulary words that my grandpa used to use. Now, my grandpa, Rex Pennington, and his wife's name was Paralee, Grandma Paralee. They grew up in McGoffin County, Kentucky, in a little town called Sowersville. They grew up in the United Baptist Church down there. Grandma's dad, Lester Ward, was the United Baptist pastor. Now, think about this. They met in a different location every Sunday. So they had church in different spots every Sunday of the month. So he would travel. He would either walk or get a ride or horse to the different spots. And he was one of the preachers because United Baptists, they have multiple preachers in one service. But grandpa had these great words, man. I want to see if you've heard of these. I'm going to ask you to define these terms, Matt. Okay. Oh, it's a test. Here we go. It's a test. Pert. Well, that's, you know, you're going to be pert near almost. Just translate that as almost. <laughs> All right. You got that one. Now, grandpa would use it that way. And he would also use it to mean like, are you exuberant yet? Like, are you feeling better? Have you perting up? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this one's not such a pleasant word. Kyarn. Can you use it in a sentence? I can use it in a sentence. Boy, that fridge smells like kyarn. That's a new one on me. <laughs> All right. So it's an Appalachian pronunciation of the term carrion, which actually refers to like rubbish or something that's rotting. My grandpa would say, well, that smells like kyarn. All right. Let me find one more here. One more. Let's go with Nuri. Is that a uh, variation of near? Near. Nuri from Grandpa Rex. Now, again, this is McGoffin County. Nuri meant none or nothing. I saw Nuri a mushroom when I was out hunting. Oh, yeah, 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 Nuri. yeah, yeah. We would have said it Nary. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, brother, it's good to be in Appalachia, isn't it? It's good to be here. I love Appalachian folks. I love to be with folks in Appalachia. There's always going to be a joke. That's part of Appalachian culture. That's how they break tension. That's just who Appalachian folks are. So yeah, it's great to be here. And it's great to have brothers in ministry. That is such a vital part of what it means to do ministry anywhere, but especially in Appalachia. Part of our humor is enjoyed in community. I mean, that's, we enjoy laughing together. It's good medicine for us. 
we need it. But the brotherhood and sisterhood for the ladies, it's important to have one another in ministry, isn't it? That's exactly right. It was Paul who said, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. And so we need each other in ministry. And, you know, I'm reminded that as much as we need each other in ministry, so too do our hearts push back, push away from others in ministry. And so everything about us, who we are, though we need each other, we push away from each other. Our pride pushes away. We don't need each other. And boy, do we ever, especially in the times that we're in right now. This is biblical. We were talking about Paul's final letter, Second Timothy, and other letters. I mean, the prison epistles too, you find this, this theme of the brotherhood and the importance of Christian fellowship. Uh, but in Second Timothy 1.16, Paul says, May the Lord grant mercy to the household of Onesiphorus, for he often refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chains. But when he arrived in Rome, he searched for me earnestly and found me. Uh, this was a brother who sought out Paul in the time of his trial and suffering and encouraged him. And we find this also in chapter four. We find him saying, really, at the end of his very last letter, there were people who had abandoned him and there were people who had stuck with him. And he remembers both of those. He remembers both of those groups. One very interesting person that I love to always mention in this is in 2 Timothy 4.11. Luke alone is with me. But then he says, get Mark and bring him with you, for he is very useful to me for ministry. And the reason I love this one, Matt, you know where I'm going with this, is that Mark and Paul had a falling out. And you can see over the canon of Paul's writings that getting restored at the end of Colossians. We think that Mark was perhaps one of the ones who delivered the letter to the Colossians and to Philemon. And we find by the end of Paul's life, a complete restoration of this relationship, so much so that Paul's willing to say he's very useful to me for ministry. That is just a testimony to the ministry of the Holy Spirit and a testimony to grace, that in Christ we have forgiveness and in Christ we relish in grace. Years ago, it's been almost 20 years ago now, H.B. London, who did the ministry aspect of Focus on the Family, revealed in his book, Pastors are Greater Risk, that uh, 86% of pastors said that they would choose ministry as their career if they had to do over again. So here you have men who love their ministry and love the calling that God has on their life. But he went on to talk about that pastors who work fewer than 50 hours a week are 35% more likely to be terminated. He speaks about this great need for work here in ministry, and he talks about a level of discouragement. Barna Research just recently in summer of 2001 asked 2,000 pastors if their previous year of ministry was their hardest year. 67% replied that they thought once or twice that that was the case, and 29% said very often. Rex, with all of those numbers, there's a reality that as brothers in the ministry, we desperately need one another to encourage one another and to help us keep going. There has been in this past year such a rise in need. 40% of congregations say they saw a rise in request assistance in food, in monetary assistance, in need for counseling. And in the midst of all of that, they saw a 
15% decline in volunteering. You know, this is exactly why we did the Appalachian Ministry Conference while we're already planning next year. This is why we do this podcast is to let those in Appalachia and in rural America know you're not alone, Pastor. You're not Mm -hmm. on your own in doing this. There are other brothers who you may not agree with in every aspect, but who are faithful to the gospel and you need their encouragement. You need to be ministered to just as you need to minister. Oh, that's right. It makes me think too of another aspect of this, Matt, that the Lord said that the harvest is plentiful. It's ready. It's there, but the laborers are few. And I want to take a moment and just encourage those who are in ministry and those who are feeling the call to ministry, because there's also the pull not to answer that call. I'm familiar with that. We need workers. The Lord is calling workers into his harvest. And those who are in Christian ministry, whether it's the local church and pastors and the the Christian workers there, or it's a ministry like mine, which is more of a parachurch, we're alongside the church helping to strengthen the church. You know, ministries in the area here, we've got crew at Marshall and we've got Young Life in Huntington. And I know there are myriads of recovery ministries going on in the community. They need people too. At Tri-State Bible College, we're always looking for good people to help share the load of the work. You know, that 50-hour stat, that's so true, 50 or more sometimes in the week. And so if we had people answering the call and willing to step into those roles, it would distribute the work better. And so that's why the Lord Jesus in his wisdom says, pray to the Lord that the workers would come forth. How have you experienced the benefit of the experience of this fellowship as a pastor, and then on the flip side, the absence of it. There's probably been times where you felt alone or absent from the fellowship. When I first entered into ministry, I served at a little church outside of Lynchburg, Virginia, Gretna, Virginia, served there just for a couple months, and then went to another church in Charleston, West Virginia. And I thought that I would find a pastor who was going to root me on, who's going to encourage me, And that's very much not what I found. I found one who was threatened by me. And I'm not saying that as a young guy that I handled everything correctly. That's part of why you need mentors and need people. And I really came to a point where I was ready to walk away from ministry and found a friend who I'd had in college and he encouraged me and he took my resume to two churches, one as a senior pastor and another as a staff pastor. When another friend found out that I was looking at becoming a senior pastor, he told me something that hurt me. You remember, faithful are the wounds of a friend. And he said, Matt, right now, you would be a disaster as a senior pastor. You need to be a part of a healthy church and you need to be ministered to. He was right. And I can say that as a result of being a part of a healthy church in Taze Valley, West Virginia, with a faithful pastor who came alongside of me and not just instructed me, but also lived a life of an example in front of me and encouraged me, he saved my ministry. Because at that point, it seemed as though there were doors opening to walk away. And so I've been on both sides. I've been on the side of discouragement, reaching the point where I didn't even want to preach. I didn't want to function in ministry anymore. And then I saw what encouragement can do, that in this situation where it was healthy, uh, with this faithful pastor who was just faithful to the word. He encouraged me, at times rebuked me, and often strengthened me. 
I can say that my ministry today is a testimony to that brotherhood and ministry. And the amazing thing is the man who was before me in that same position, who went on to take a senior pastorate, he had done him the exact same way. He'd encouraged him. He'd strengthened him. He had helped build him up. And so Rex, having those brothers who are willing to wound you if necessary is absolutely vital in a faithful ministry because they're willing to come alongside of you just as my friend John did and say, Matt, I love you. You'd be a disaster in this right now. I appreciate it because he was right. I didn't understand it at the time. I was really offended by that at the time, but he was 100% correct. But if I would have gone to that other church, I would not be in ministry today because of that discouragement. Rex, it's so important that you have people who are willing to come alongside of you and encourage you and be a part of your ministry, even when it's tough. Amen. When I came to Christ at 19, I was a college student who wasn't looking for the Lord. He, by grace, broke into my life in an incredible way. I recognize that I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know how to live this life. I don't know what to do now because all my plans had been turned upside down. And I found in that time, the Holy Spirit teaching me the value of older men in my life. When I got my first youth pastor job with Pastor Tim Powell out at Fairview Missionary Baptist Church, one of the things that he and I prayed together for me was the wisdom beyond my years. Because I was young and I knew there's a lot that I don't know. I need wisdom beyond my years to be faithful among God's great people. You know, that's kind of what Solomon prayed. Now, Solomon didn't always act out in that wisdom, but I think the prayer was right. That's been something that has benefited me. God answering that prayer over and over again to put older men in my life who are way ahead of me on whose shoulders I stand. That has been just a great, great benefit. One of the difficult things is whenever I've gone to a new place, like having to find that again. Does that make sense? Like whenever you go to a new place, you sort of have to not completely start over because we have a lot of communication means that, you know, we can, I can Facebook or call or text my old mentors from all kinds of different places around the country now. But I think that still you long for that face to face local mentoring. That's difficult. That can feel absent, I think, if you're into something new, a new ministry position or station. But you have to look for that. You got to put that work in to find those mentors. And you have to be humble enough to be ministered to. One of the difficult things in ministry is that you're always ministering and you forget that not only has God called you to a church, but he's called that church to you. He's not just called you to a community. He's called that community to you. And you may need at times just to stop, close your mouth and listen. It's not that everyone around you knows so much more than you, but it is that God may have brought some people into your life to encourage you, to minister to you, and maybe rebuke you. So it's not necessarily that they just know so much more than you, but it's that they have different perspectives and that God uses people to minister to people. There's something Appalachian here that it is biblical, this mentoring. How many of y'all are going to buck up and not be humble to grandma and grandpa? (laughs) I mean, you're going to really hesitate before you do that. You're going to listen. 
there's a reason we do that. I mean, it's part of the the life in the clan, right? You're going to listen. You're going to sit and listen. You might, as you get older, be able to enter into the conversation a little bit more. But there's this passing down of wisdom that's true in Appalachian life, I think, but that is also very, very biblical. Uh, But sometimes we do resist it for some reason in the church context. We want to be the expert. We want to be the authority. And that's easy to fall into. Well, you know what? You may be the expert. You may be the authority. That's right. But that doesn't mean that you don't need ministered to. And there's a resistance to that. And there's also a resistance to be ministered to by those kind of outside of your clan. And they may not say the same thing that you say. It's amazing when you pay close attention to social media, which I find myself doing less and less now than ever before. But paying attention to social media, you find that your clan usually becomes an echo chamber and the people in your clan are saying the same thing in order to gain the approval of people in your clan. Hey, they're in your clan. Let's move on. And instead of trying to build up, it's kind of let's all say the same thing so that we can all know where we all stand. I think what's more important is a faithful walk with the Lord. And that faithful walk with the Lord is going to do more than build yourself up. What the scriptures say is that it's the Lord who raises us up. And we need to be slower in trying to raise ourselves up and more focused on those character qualities in which the Lord will raise up. Right now has been a time of discouragement. We're starting to see COVID things change right now. In that same survey that I talked about earlier, almost 40% of the people that they surveyed considered leaving ministry. Well, the flip side to that is, then that means that 60% didn't. They didn't even consider it at all. And we praise God for that. And so we need one another. We just finished the Appalachian Ministry Conference, and we had really, our our attendance was more than double what we anticipated we would have, and we praise God for that. It was a wonderful time of encouragement. It was a wonderful time of letting brothers and sisters speak into our lives. And some of these people were people who we would never have had that opportunity before, and so we're so grateful for that grateful for the, their influence and grateful for the way that they ministered. One of my favorite things about the conference, Matt, was at the beginning, all the different denominational representatives. The way you brought that out and to see the Nazarenes and the Methodists were there and the Baptists were there. I think I even met an Episcopalian was there <laughs> during the week. And I was just like, this is the Bible college functioning as a hub of biblical higher education and a place for Christian workers in the region to get affirmed and encouraged and equipped. And that's exactly what we had hoped would happen. And it was not an echo chamber. That's right. I mean, there were people saying things that maybe you and I wouldn't have thought of. There were people saying things from a different perspective. I mean, we had Desmond Barrett, who's a leader in the Nazarene denomination. Desmond's a dear friend. And also another friend of mine, Herschel York was there, who is the dean of theology at Southern Seminary. And so theologically, these guys are not on the exact same page, but they love Jesus Christ. They're passionate about the gospel, and they were there to help equip brothers and sisters in ministry in Appalachia. You're familiar. You study this stuff. So you've looked at some stats from Barna. I don't know if there's some some specific ones that you've identified that speak to this need for fellowship. Well, I think the considering leaving ministry, the rise in conflict. Pastors reported that they had a 75% rise in conflict. You know, 
after being in the ministry for more than 20 years, there were a few things that really came to me that I hadn't encountered or at least was able to call a brother and ask how they dealt with it when they had encountered it. A pandemic was not one of those things. Being able to call somebody and say, hey, what did you do in the last pandemic? Well, all the people who had ever led a church in the last pandemic have been dead for a long time. And so everyone was kind of groping in the dark, trying to find their way. And there were some great wins and some great losses. We all experienced those. I think, again, having brothers who are faithful to the gospel, who are willing to share and who are open enough, not just to listen, but also to speak, is such a vital part of what it means to be a pastor. You know, sometimes you hear somebody say things and you say, well, I don't know the way, but I know that's not it. And then you hear somebody speak and you go, you know, I've never even heard of that. I remember early on talking to a pastor in Pike County, Kentucky, about how they were handling their small groups. And he said, well, we're doing these through Zoom. And he kept using Zoom this word Zoom. And I said, wait a minute, what is Zoom? That's the sound that my matchbox car made. What are you talking about, Zoom? And he had to explain to me, I had never heard of Zoom before. And now Zoom is a big part of life. It's a household name. So I came away encouraged from the conference about, it was really maybe the first big event that folks have been able to come to since COVID started. And I think there was a lot of energy because of that. I also think there's a lot of energy because, hey, it was Appalachian in focus. My session was on strategic planning for church boards in Appalachia. I didn't have a huge crowd, but I had a a decent-sized crowd in those sessions. And they are thinking about the opportunities that now lie ahead as we emerge from the pandemic. We all know the trials and the troubles, but these leaders in particular are like, okay, what kind of planning do I do now? that things are starting to change into a new normal. What does that path ahead look like? And I've already had some pastors reach out and follow up and say, hey, we're doing this. That is something we hope the Appalachian Ministry Institute could maybe be involved in in the region, coming alongside pastors and church leaders and helping with strategic planning. My doctorate's in organizational leadership, so that's right up my alley. And I know that you've had classes and taught classes on strategic planning. It sounds like something that's really sterile. But it's kind of the old adage, if you shoot at nothing, you'll hit it every time. You have to have a plan to know what direction you're going to go in so you'll know that if you've accomplished it or not. And just kind of flying by the seat of your pants, that's a surefire way not really to accomplish a whole lot. And so you've got to have a plan. You've got to have a course of action. It's kind of like writing a paper or preaching a sermon. Uh, Recently, I was just reading a couple papers and they were pointless. I mean, literally, they were pointless. And I don't mean that. Well, it's kind of hard to say that and not mean it kind of negatively, but they didn't have a thesis statement. There was no hypothesis. And so it was just kind of rambling for pages and pages and pages. We've all heard those sermons. Maybe we preach those sermons where we get up and maybe it was kind of a, you were drafted into preaching that day and it was an impromptu sermon and you're praying that the Lord puts words into your mouth because you know they're not in your brain at that point. uh, And they're certainly not on paper. That's what strategic planning does. It just sets the direction, just charts the course, just get the target to shoot at. There's a biblical precedent for it. In many, many places, uh, we see the Lord, in a sense, executing a strategic plan at Sinai. 
the book of Nehemiah is my favorite because his vision and a vision is something that does not yet exist. It's not the current destination. It's the destination ahead. His vision was one word, a wall. That was his vision. And his mission was rebuild. That's all the language he needed. And then he had goals, right? I need to secure letters of passage. I need to secure lumber. I need to secure a workforce. I need to inspect the gates. You know, so he had all these goals to get him to that final vision. And uh, so it's biblical. As we talk about fellowship and the importance of it, as we talk about our experiences and uh, some of the statistics that are out there, we're coming out of COVID. Why does the Appalachian Ministry Institute exist and why is it important? The Appalachian Ministry Institute exists so that we can affirm people in ministry. We want to affirm those who are serving in Appalachia. We want to encourage them. There's a lot of discouragement, not just in Appalachia, but in ministry right now. And we want to encourage them. And we also want to equip them for ministry in Appalachia, specifically in that context of Appalachia. And that's why we do things like this podcast. That's why we do things like our conference that we just wrapped up while we're trying to put some writing together and other things, future endeavors. We And as Rex had just talked about, we want to be able to come alongside churches and help them in strategic planning, help them chart a course forward, even in a time of difficulty. Amen. We are still excited coming off the conference. As you mentioned earlier, we received double the attendance that we were expecting. I think we had about 150 people in the building. I mean, I was praying for 100, but I think the Friday before the conference, we were right about 75 or 80. And we had a number of people that helped promote this conference. I want to thank some of the churches in our area, Bethel Church and those cobblers, brother. They were so, so good. Bethel Church helped with those, and they actually even sent a couple people over to help with the food service. First Baptist Church of Canova gave to the conference. First Baptist Church of Cerrito. Your church, Rose Hill, was a big promoter of the conference. River Cities Community Church in Huntington, as well as Lewis Memorial Baptist Church, and many, many others who give regularly to the Bible college. We had so many vendors here participate. I was listing these out and I just was like, wow, there are a lot of people involved. We had Visit Huntington helped us with the accommodations for our speakers, Legacy Vertical and Nick Joyce and the band, Superhero Creamery put the shirts together, Nick's company over at the Ashland Mall, Sayota Hills Christian Camp and Retreat Center was, was here, Walk FM was here, WSAZ helped us get the video ad made and put that all over social media. Uh, Rose Hill Christian School was here. Covenant School in Huntington was here. Holy Smoke Barbecue and Ron Kilgore helped with the food. Junk Food Junkies, Maria Chapman brought over some treats in the morning here local to South Point. Wits Coffee in Ashland. I mean, think about this, brother. This was Christian churches and organizations and businesses coming together to really do something fantastic in the region. And that's what was so exciting is you looked around, you saw these are great ministries and great businesses in Appalachia. The coffee bar over here, Wits Custard in Ashland, 
they served Kentucky Mountain Coffee, which I'd never had, but I think it's become my favorite. I contacted the owner and I said, what kind of coffee was that and where can I get it? They serve and sell it there at the coffee bar. And so I will be purchasing some of that immediately. Did he tell you what flavor it was? Well, I only had the decaf, so it was decaf. That That's what it okay. was. But uh, I don't know that it had a flavor. I didn't try the other. I was already anxious enough about the day. I didn't need to increase that with, with some caffeine. Well, if you have not seen the Kentucky Mountain Coffee flavor names, it's straight out of Appalachia. Okay. <laughs> it's awesome. They have Mountain Sunset, I think, and they have Coondog Run, and they have, I mean, they have all these different flavors of coffee that just fit the region. It's fantastic. Well, we had a great conference. I think we really did accomplish encouragement. Anytime you have Tommy Reed telling stories, if you haven't listened to Tommy Reed, you need to go back and listen to that episode. I know that you'd be blessed by that. We are excited about next year. Uh, We want to thank our speakers, of course. What a great group we had this year. Dr. Cheney and all of the breakout speakers and the panelists, thank you so much for your participation. The staff at the Bible College was exceptional and the faculty, thank you guys so much. And our board was our board was in attendance. They were represented there. So just a wonderful time. We're thinking to next year. We have a date picked out for next year. So we want everyone to save the date for next year. We're looking at Tuesday, April 25th, 2023. It's hard to believe we're already planning for anything in 2023, but it's coming quickly. And we want to be a time to be an encouragement to pastors, to be encouragement to those who are ministering, be able to equip them in ministry. We're we're getting ready to send out a survey to get some feedback on that conference and tell us how we can do it better. But it's such an important thing to be ministered to, to be encouraged, to be strengthened and to really rub shoulders with other people who are serving in Appalachia to expose you to people who are serving in Appalachia, maybe that you didn't be, you weren't aware of and you could benefit from their ministry and also they can benefit from yours. We appreciate your prayers as we are planning the theme for next year. We've already talked a little bit about that, not ready to reveal that yet, but we are prayerfully looking into some of the core themes of our Appalachian Ministry Institute coming from Isaiah 40 and Mark chapter one and what we're trying to do. So we uh, appreciate your prayers about that. It's going to be a great conference. Looking forward to another conference just like this one. Hopefully we can strengthen on those great areas and maybe rethink some of the things that we didn't do so well, but we're going to look for another, another great year. Just want to encourage pastors and those who are ministering, be ministered to. Look for opportunities, not just to minister, but also to be ministered to. Remember, God has built into the place that he's called you, into the community in which he's called you. He's built into those places, people who are going to help strengthen you in ministry. God's not just called you to a place, but he's also called that place to you. And so make sure that you're being ministered to. You need that ministry. It's been a discouraging time. We're starting to see things open up. But we need to make sure that we encourage the ministry of others as they are serving, whether they be in our church, or whether it be in our community. We need to continue on that. Let me ask you a favor. Would you please share this podcast? Would you follow it and help us get the word out? Because we really do want to be an encouragement to others. And so you sharing it 
enables us to reach a lot more people with this great ministry. This episode of the Level Paths podcast is a good reminder that Tri-State Bible College and the Appalachian Ministry Institute exist as a resource. And no matter what need you may have, Rex Howe and Dr. Matt Shamlin want you to reach out to them today. Rex Howe is the president of Tri-State Bible College. You can contact him by email at rex.howe at tsbc.edu. And you can reach out to Dr. Matt Shamlin at the Appalachian Ministry Institute by email at matt.shamlin at tsbc.edu. The Level Paths podcast is an outreach of Tri-State Bible College and the Appalachian Ministry Institute.